You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. How much magic can there really be in a simple card game? I seriously have no idea. I, I barely have ever touched a magic card. So I'm here to ask two of our younger hosts, uh, TJ Blackwell and other Josh. I think it's Rosengrant. It is. Good job. Guys, this is Systematic Ecology. We are the priest to the geeks. I'm Joshua Knoll. Uh, I am the Josh with all the wrong opinions. Uh, if you want to just meet a Josh who really doesn't care for Frasier and thinks Halo multiplayer is lame, I'm here for you. If you want to watch Frasier, call me. We can we can hang out. Yeah. Frasier. We have Josh with the good opinions here and TJ Tiberius One. Uh, TJ, what you been geeking out on lately? Um, Guilty Gear Strive. Nice. Uh, it's one of the, in my opinion, best fighting game of the past, you know, few years, good few years. And I threw a little tournament in my apartment and won. Know. Yeah, Thank of you. course. I, I played six people who I taught how to play the game. Felt kind of unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember when I taught you how to play Smash Bros and then made you play a tournament? And then a year later, you got to where you beat me every time. That was great. I think very appropriately, that's how I fit, feel when I play Magic. Because I've, I've taught a lot of my friends how to play Magic. And so for most of those, it doesn't often end up being a very even match. <laughs> but, but I like to get people into the hobby. So uh, what I've been geeking out on, well, I suppose there's, there's two things I could mention. One, literally five minutes before I got on this recording, I was playing Magic, which once again, nice. very appropriate for today. Uh, and second of all, my maybe my favorite single novel uh, is now getting a, a graphic novelization. Interesting. Um, and it's actually the art is drawn by Mike S. Miller. And those of you who are a big comics fan will recognize him as the guy who drew Injustice. Yeah. And what's also, the novel? Uh, it is Shadow of the Conqueror um, by Shad M. Brooks, I think his name is. Nice. That Brooks. And yeah. you and TJ will actually, coming up, y'all are doing an episode on your favorite fictional book series anyway, right? So yeah, you'll probably hear me rant about that quite a lot in yeah. that episode. Nice, nice. Well, guys, we are here to discuss a card game, Magic. Josh, Together. if I remember right, Magic the Gathering, yes. Josh, if <laughs> I remember right, you are in charge or ahead of or a part of a cards and board game group at your school. <laughs> Is that right? That's that's actually right. I don't know how you remember that. Um, so, yeah, at the college mm -hmm. I go to, we have a club, which is just a, a generally gaming club. And there's a lot of different sections. And... Um, I am the leader of the card game board game section. So that actually is non trading card games because trading cards are their own entire section because they're such a big thing. So my stuff is more like Arkham horror or betrayal of house in the hill. That's a lot more of what I'm Great in charge game. of. However, we do have a big section of trading card game stuff, which is almost exclusively just magic the gathering. Mm. And we do quite a lot of that. Disney's making a knockoff of magic. Yeah, Lorcana. I might play it. If I can convince TJ to play it. I, I'm very friend. intrigued to try Lorcana. I'll try it. it Sick. The, what little cards they've shown of it, it looks like it'll be pretty interesting. Hmm. So the only time I have played Magic the Gathering was uh, TJ gave me some cards, gave me a deck he thought that I would like, and then uh, just beat me for a few days playing that game. Yeah, it was just standard. It was pretty amusing. But, Thought he'd like, like to play a green deck, which had to be right. There's no way there's anything else he would enjoy more. 
What what does that mean? Uh, big creatures, big damage, big mana. There there are five colors, uh, which are one of the most fundamental parts of magic. Uh, every card is some combination of those colors, including none of them, but those are rather rare. Uh, the colors are uh, white, blue, red, green, and black. And they all they all have things they specialize in and different ways they interact with each other. And it's a whole thing. We mm-hmm. could probably do an episode just about the magic color pie. We really could. People have. But that's not what this is. What's the what's the best beginner beginner color if I were to pick it up? Is it just green? Possibly. That's a question without an answer. Uh, uh, the uh, only answer I could give is not blue. Hmm. Let's see, is it like rock, paper, scissors? Like probably. they all just kind of have their own thing. They all have mm-hmm. their own thing they're good at. And sometimes some of them don't like the other colors as much, but it's also Hmm. most, I think it's fair to say most decks end up being two colors, but Hmm. that's really Pokemon too. any number. I I did get into Pokemon for a while and it's always just an awful idea to have all one element, but then someone with the, you know, counter element just wins. That sucks. Not the same. Well, TJ, what is, what is your color? Of choice. Uh, I, I'm an Orzov player, which means black white. Yes. Fun. All right, Josh. What about you? Uh, so it's funny. I started out as a Boros player, which is red and white. Um, but I've kind of I've kind of progressed, and this at this point, every time I make a deck, it ends up being all five colors. Nice. You're playing commander. Yeah, I'm playing commander. Okay. I do have an all five color sixties deck too, and it's insane. But uh, Cascade Tribal. Nice. So what does, <laughs> what does that tell us about your play style? What is a white-black deck like? Is that like a long game kind of strategist? Or is that... What uh, it, you it's kind of a mid-game. It's a, yeah, it's a mid usually end up being mid-game. Hmm. All right. Josh, what is all... What is the rainbow <laughs> choice mean? <laughs> what is, oh, it means you're, it means you're very probably going to be long game because you're going to have to work on getting all five colors available to you before you start doing too much. Uh, okay. That checks out. So how did you guys both get introduced to Magic the Gathering? I started playing, let's see, when I was, I was pretty young. It would have probably been at least 10 years ago now. Uh, it was actually my sister who got me into the game. Now, she was in, in college at the time because she and I are very different in age. We're about 10 years apart. So she was in college. She learned to play Magic with her friends. Uh, she bought one of the pre-con commander decks of the time, one of the 2012 pre-cons, first round of pre-constructed decks for commander, the Eternal Bargain pre-con. And so she taught me to play with a bunch of 60-card decks she had, and then eventually she stopped playing it, and so she gave me her, her commander deck, and I have I, I fell in love with commander after that because I had never really done c- too much commander before that. And I got that, and I met a bunch of friends in high school who played it, and I, yeah, I now play a lot of Commander, mostly. Hmm. And I still have that Commander deck th- that she gave me all those years ago. And I have souped it up to be very strong. <laughs> and I'm very happy. Nice. It nice. is my baby as far as decks go. Yeah, I get that. I had a Pokemon deck that I had perfected, and it was in my car when I had a car accident. And I'm still salty about it. Yeah. Ouch. TJ, how did you get introduced to Magic the Gathering? So I'm like, my story is probably a lot more similar to Josh's sister's story than his. 
uh, I had a group of friends in college and we were all hanging out, you know, getting to know each other. We realized we all used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Bear with me. Uh, so we got all got back into Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, after a week or two, we were like, man, this game sucks now. Because if <laughs> you aren't aware, Yu-Gi-Oh! has become absurd. Those yeah. cards are long. It's like reading essays. Just to kill a monster, it's insane. And most games end in one or two turns. Which is fun for one person. Hmm. So we're like, let's yeah. play something else. Well, let's play Magic. So we all started playing Magic at the same time. And we oh, just started cool. playing Standard of the time, which was 2020. 19? Wow. That'd be 19. So was that recently? That'd be 2019. Yeah. So you taught me to play not that long after you learned how to play. No, uh, it might have been 2018. My brain was like, he's been playing this his entire life. I also simultaneously was kind of surprised it was 10 years old. So I don't know what my brain really thought thought about Magic the Gathering. I mean, so I know it's, TJ's not 10. It's older than I am. I, I've told you many times at this point that this game is 30 years old. Is this is it my age? Like, exactly. Yes. Did it start on my birthday? Well, when did it start? 92? 3? It's old. Hmm. Let's see. What's, what was the original release date? 1993, August 5th. Man. Was the official release. Man. So it's, older it's not as old as it. Younger than me. But um, if you count Alpha and Beta, I think those came out the two years before that. So hmm. I think it goes so all the way back to 91. Fascinating. Yeah. Very old game. Correct. Yeah. But that's how I got into it. And we just played Standard and, you know, got a little power happy. And <laughs> I was the most willing to spend money on the cards. So naturally, <laughs> I was the best. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much how this game works. To an extent. To an extent, yeah. to a certain level. Not in Commander as much. But Commander, I think, helps a lot. But I don't play Commander like that. So I could be completely wrong. Am I? So it, it's both right and wrong. Because um, there still is, of course, if you're willing to buy some of the more just better cards generally, they're going to help. Uh, but because of... Uh, you know, the singleton rule, the fact that you can only have one of each card in a commander deck, you're not going to buy a full play set of any one card and just always hit that. Hmm. But there's still um, like what, what's commonly called CEDH, uh, com which is competitive EDH. EDH is actually another word for commander, sort of, but that's another rabbit trail not to get down right now. But and we have people on campus right now who have some more CEDH decks and despite the format of Commander, they can still like win on turn two, just going yeah. the combo decks. So kind Bane of, of my existence. Kind of late in this discussion for this, but uh, for I forgot. And for our listeners, how, how does magic work? Is it like Pokemon? Am I just like here's my monster? I beat your monster. <laughs> yep, you that's exactly right. No, it's surprisingly similar to Pokemon, the card game at least. It's much more much closer to that than Yu-Gi-Oh at least. Yeah. It is like more advanced. similar than you would think, but it, it's still very very different. Advanced Pokemon. Yeah. So Pokemon with a degree. Uh, yeah. Pokemon after it's got its doctorate. Exactly. Yeah. And so the energies in Pokemon become lands in Magic. They work fairly similarly, but there's also some very distinct differences in how they work. Um yeah. So just the format of the game, you have all of your cards in your deck. You'll draw seven of them. Every turn you can play one of them that is a land if you have one in your hand. And to play anything else, you have to um, what's called tap those lands that are on that you've already played. So tapping something is kind of using it for the turn. 
is kind of the best way of looking at it from a new a new perspective. So every turn you can use each of your lands once and they each make whatever color of mana they are asterisk. Uh, basically everything, everything has an asterisk in magic. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to speak <laughs> in generalities. Uh, they right. tap for whatever color of mana that they are. And then you can use that to pay the cost of all of your other cards. Yeah, and which is like your monsters and spells and right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You, you, you convert lands into mana to cast spells. Mm-hmm. Every card that isn't a land is a spell. Yes. Including monsters. Yes. yes. Okay, sweet. Yeah, they, so, they want you to think of it as like you're a sorcerer. You're <laughs> casting these spells. Yeah, so gotcha. in, the, in much older editions of the game, what are now just creature spells were referred to as uh, summons. It would be summon oh, cool. this creature. Um, and so that's really back into lore. And now the, the actual, the lore of the game is that everyone who is playing it is an exceedingly powerful magic user who is called a planeswalker. Uh, and you're having a duel with another planeswalker. And so you're using your magic to summon creatures and just throw spells at your opponent to try to reduce their life points to zero. You can also play planeswalkers. Yes, Don't get you confused. Can, there are Planeswalker cards, which is like summoning an ally. Hmm. It's kind of the lore side of those well, cards. I, I vaguely remember that term from the short period of time that I spent playing the app. Oh, you played Arena? Actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so That's oh, true. I, I made him download Arenas and forgot. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the lore already, and this is kind of behind the scenes a little bit. I make the schedule. I go to the topics. I see a topic. If there's two names on it, I see how many episodes they're doing this month. If they're not doing enough, then I'm like, hey, here we go. I'm going to plug this in. I saw Magic the Gathering lore. Saw both of your names. I was like, cool. Put this in here. And the more I think about it, the more I was like, how how does a card game have lore? Isn't it just monster beat monster? That's it. I have a monster. That is my lore. (laughs) (laughs) But like, what, what is going on? How is there lore to this? So magic is 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 interesting in that it, it has had so many years to, to work with it. They have come up with a lot of lore. So originally it was basically just, hey, here's a bunch of things we thought of. We'll just name them fun things and throw them at each other and see what happens. But yeah. as the game kind of grew and matured, uh, eventually, I believe mostly after it got bought out by Wizards of the Coast, They started taking all those pieces, those little things, and tying them together. So uh, also cards tend to have what's called flavor text on them, which is after all of their actual abilities, they'll just have in little italics with like quotes and stuff, just little snippets of of, uh, fun flavor. Uh, So like a quote from the creature, if it's it's a person, or like a quote about a creature or the spell or whatever. Yeah, there's probably enough flavor text alone in the game to write several books. There is. And they actually have. That is that is kind of the other thing. They've written pretty decent volumes of material in addition to the card game itself just to build the world in which it takes place. Now, how does or that... Worlds. How does that add to the game? Like, in, in Pokemon, I understand. Like, right, you have the Pokemon card game, and then we have video games. Video games need story. Mm-hmm. And you have the TV show why, as well. Why does Magic the Gathering, the just it's a card game, why, why does it need lore? Does it change the game any, or is it just kind of for fun? Makes it more compelling. Yeah. It, it gives 
it tries to put a reason behind why they keep releasing new cards other than the company wanting money, basically. Hmm. <laughs> because ev- with every new release of a set of cards, there is an- now an accompanying story. And the stories build off each other to make these multi-year spanning arcs. And uh, so as I, w- I would think I mentioned this at the beginning before the recording started but we're currently in an arc which is all about the kind of one of the one of the oldest main villains of magic the Phyrexians and they are kind of tying together the last really like four sets if I can think back because all the way to call time at least yeah it's a full yeah it's like a full standard block and more because it, it ties together Kaldheim, Kamigawa. It kind of skips Innistrad, I think of. But And now we're in Dominaria United. And Brothers War is coming up. So I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> they don't do short stories, basically. Except for on the website. Where you can read magic yeah. short stories. Yeah. Okay. Basically, so they, even they, all of their they short go, stories tie together. Yeah. There is a ton of lore in this game. Yes, there is. A stupid amount. Mm-hmm. Is there a favorite story or a favorite you know, part of the lore, maybe a favorite god or something that that you have that like kind of just give me a taste of what we're talking about. I like the Eldrazi personally. Yeah, what the is Eldrazi that? invasion was super cool. So basically, aliens. All right, you think of it that way. I was gonna say it's, but it's even it's even worse than aliens. They're they're physical embodiments of nothing that come from outside existence. and they cost a ton of mana and do a ton of damage and a lot of other cool things yep costing a lot doesn't sound cool sounds bad you're wrong he's talking flip like 10 cards and say die immer cool he's talking about the in-game cost when he says that but but they also can be uh monetarily expensive as well the yes that is another (laughs) thing i feel like we have to mention is the cost of some of these cards, especially from Alpha Beta. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't okay, know the current least... price of a Black Lotus. Card. It's like nine grand or something like that, I think. So that's that's a lot more reasonable than it used to be. All right. So Josh, uh, TJ has embodiment of nothing. What is your <laughs> what is your favorite? So random... I have kind of a, a bunch of things, but I have a couple different kind of favorite things of magic. Uh, the Eldrazi is one, especially because. Th- there's a lot more to them, and they're really, really cool, and I'm using them for stuff later. And they have but great designs. They do. What do you mean there's a lot more to them? Isn't there nothing? I mean, that, that's it? There's a, but there's a lot of nothing. The Blind Eternities. Nothing is everywhere that something isn't. Yes. So. Which is very important when you're trying to get between some things. That sounded like a Winnie the Pooh line. That didn't sound like you were trying to be serious just then. <laughs> like That just sounds like something Pooh would say. Oh, like forever is right. an awfully long time. I mean, yeah, sure is poop. So the Eldrassi come from nowhere, but nowhere is 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 actually somewhere. It's called the Blind Eternities. Oh, is that that place that was in Guardians of the Galaxy? No, <laughs> no, no, no. But it's 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 a place that doesn't exist. It's it's the in between of everywhere else. Okay. And the other really notable thing about that, and it is a huge thing in the rest of the lore of Magic: The Gathering is that that is how the the people known as planeswalkers are able to go from one entire multiverse to a second entire multiverse. This game has multiverse? Yes. So 
what they have what is called the planes. Um, so every plane is kind of a self-contained little world. So most planes have their own cosmological structure, their own deities, their own afterlife, their own even, you know, different dimensions you can go through. Um, All right. And so at this point, one of the planes is just Dungeons and Dragons itself, which gets very messy very fast with how Dungeons and Dragons multiverse mechanics work. But we don't have to talk about hmm. that today. Interesting. Um, but planeswalkers are beings that have the inherent ability to to traverse the blind eternities and just basically teleport out of their current universe and go to a different one. And where the card player is the planeswalker. They are in the lore, but there's also all of these planeswalker cards that exist, which are yeah. more notable planeswalkers in the game that you summon as an ally to yeah. aid you. I'm so, not as famous as Liliana. No. For yes. good reason. Yes. Um, so, all right, we're talking about different different multiverses. So I'm trying to wrap my head around some of this. And you said they each have their own deities and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if if multiverse A, does that mean within multiverse A, there is universe one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever in that multiverse? So what I what I mean when I say that is is mostly in regards to uh, I'm going to take a case study of two planes. Uh, there's the plane of Theros and the plane of Kaldheim. Okay. So Theros is one of my three favorite planes, I think, in all of magic. It's basically your one that's just, it is Greek mythology reworked as a magic setting. So they have all the Greek style gods. They've renamed most of them and tweaked them a bit, but you've got all of that. You've got the underworld and you've got what's called Nyx, which is basically Mount Olympus. Okay. And so the so Nyx and the Underworld are different planes in a D&D sense. So like they're different dimensions, so to speak. But they are essentially a part of Theros itself. There's the material hmm. plane of the kind of the earth part, and then there's the underworld and you know, the, the kind of like heaven's place of Nyx. Hmm. If you cut to Kaldheim, you have an entirely different material world with its own gods and its own i assume afterlife and and overworld so when we say multiverse we're saying one plane as the multiverse would be like heaven hell earth etc it can or it can be completely different all of every plane has its own cosmological setup if our world assuming christianity is correct our world Mm -hmm. was a plane our multiverse would be heaven our galaxy hell Maybe purgatory or some other stuff we don't know about. Yeah, basically. And multiple universes that we don't know about. That's entirely possible. Okay. But then there'll be a completely other plane. So whatever. And maybe there is it is there a plane with no gods? No heavens, maybe? Yeah. I think some of the planes don't have gods, but I don't can't think of any offhand. Fast. Ravnica doesn't have deities at the moment but i think they used to huh that's this farther than i can remember kamigawa has um it has more shintoistic stuff because of it because of being yeah. japanese based so it doesn't really have gods but it has the kami and stuff do do you both have a favorite plane to play in then or, or can the planes be mixed can i play in two planes in one game so yeah the planes roughly correspond to the sets the cards were released in Okay. Um, and sometimes they'll go back to an, an old plane in a set. But there's there's no rule, at least in general constructed play, 
against mixing sets and thus planes. So because each of the cards is actually a, a spell or an ally from them, it, it doesn't really matter where they come from. You can summon them anywhere or cast it anywhere. So basically, just to just take it back to real life, I'm fighting TJ. I can cast a spell from, you know, a dog from our world, or I can cast Tony Stark from the MCU. Doesn't yep. really matter because it's a spell. Mm -hmm. Correct. Because you're summoning it. Tony Stark's coming for you, Teej. Okay. Be Let prepared. <laughs> I cast okay. murder. Done. <laughs> that it's is a real card. And I love that <laughs> Just card. kills a creature. It's a real card. Yep. yep. I've used it on you. TJ, what's your favorite plan? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Uh, I would like to start off by saying that my favorite planeswalkers are Liliana and Soren in their many iterations. Soren's a vampire. Liliana's a witch. Okay. Necromancer. Sure. Yeah, she's a necromancer. All right. She used to just be a healer. <laughs> she's been through some things. Yes. Uh, but that being said, probably Innistrad. Yeah. I love Innistrad. Vampires are awesome. So just vampire world? Vampire yep. gods? Vampire demons? Sure. Why not? Cool. Practically. And like Innistrad it. is really cool. It is yeah. it's a very dark fantasy plane. Uh, all the all the humans are always worried for their lives. There's vampires and werewolves running around everywhere. Marceline. Witches and such. Um and they basically are just run the whole plane is run by the different vampire families. Hmm. Okay. And as he mentioned, his one of his favorite characters is named Soren. Soren Markov, who is the only vampire planeswalker and cool. effectively the ruler of the plane. And awesome. Nice. And awesome. Yeah. And yeah. most of the planeswalker cards, I think, are, are pretty powerful in their standard formats. Oh, yeah. No, they are. Soren has one of the best nice. sets of cards. So, Josh, what's your favorite plane? So, Innistrad's probably in top three, but I'd just go with Theros. I, I really love the Greek mythology aspect of it. I love the it was it was actually, I think, one of the first sets they ever released where they actually released God cards and the way the Therosian gods work is really cool. <laughs> and yeah. I am a huge fan of it. They they are also are the sets where they really introduce enchantment creatures, creatures that are also enchantments built into them. Cool. There was, and there's a lot of uh, enchantment related effects in there. And that's one of my favorite card types is enchantment. I think they're really neat. Cool. Um, so, so add to that the fact that it's also they released a and d setting book of Theros and I have played D&D &D in that setting and it's amazing. Yeah, it's a good book. That sounds cool. I, I've only tried to play D&D &D once and I made the fatal flaw of trying to just recreate a character that I knew from a show and uh, it became really boring to just do the character creation part. Like that part alone was just dreadful. So <laughs> not doing that again. Told you it would be and you didn't listen. Well, you knew I wouldn't listen. <laughs> so I do I do wonder, playing in these different planes with different gods, different rules, all that kind of stuff, is that sort of a form of escapism? Or is it like we're getting out of our world and able to escape to this other world where maybe stuff isn't so sucky or maybe everything's sucky and there's extra vampires and it's just kind of getting out of our world? Or is it just kind <laughs> of, am I overthinking it? It's a card I game. That, yeah, I think if you fall, okay. when, when you start getting into like the stories and the lore then yeah you can you can get to that but otherwise it's a it's a card game it's a it is a fun a fun thing to do most people when they're playing the card game they, they don't look at the lore at all when you're actually playing the card game you just 
throw the lore in the other pile of fun things to look at for fun. And then your decks will have nothing to do with the actual lore of the game unless it benefits you. And it usually won't. Yeah. So like like there's an extent where there's a lot of cards that are meant to work well with each other will because they'll they'll have synergy. But at the same token, you are totally allowed to do things in your game in your deck which would make no sense lore wise yeah. like you can have soren and an eldrazi titan both fighting on your side which would not happen soon right that's deck. funny yeah so, i don't know the rest of the deck but those two you know yeah and nahiri there you go throw in nahiri yeah hmm. i'm gonna put liliana in that deck actually while i'm <laughs> at it i mean hey if you're playing in those colors you might as well so while we are talking about the lore though each plane has a different set of gods, a different set of, you know, if there's a heaven or a hell or if there's whatever lore, each plane has something different. Mm-hmm. Going into the kind of philosophical, theological stuff that we like to do on this show, is it possible in real life to go to another plane where God isn't God? I mean, is, is that like not saying is it true, but is it possible that that's true? It reminds me of i mean two things one one would just be narnia and just how narnia works but the other would be uh, something similar called maris which is a deep cut that most people probably won't get but it there's it's basically that i that that idea if if you get taken from our our world to another world where there what would god still be there would he be the same and i, I like how they those handled it because they basically like He's he's the same, but he does not express the same because, you know, God is outside our world. He created it, but doesn't mean he's going to appear the same to each different world. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of it as like, and hey, guys, we're getting into heresy, heresy land here. So buckle mm-hmm. up. But I'm just going to sit in it anyway. <laughs> we, um, I'm thinking of it. There's so many times where the Bible says something like uh, God, God stopped the sun. Right. And we know now that well. It was actually the earth that stopped, you know, just kind of our limited understanding. And that's how, why it was worded that way in the Bible. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how possible it is when God, it says God created everything that meant our multiverse. So, you know, like Narnia, if there are other universes that are connected to ours, those are also under God. But mm-hmm. it's possible there's some other plane out there that's not part of our multiverse. Yeah. Do you think that? No. Okay. <laughs> then no. Just a thought exercise, you know, just trying to figure out what, what if, you know? I, th- I mean, I think it's a pretty cool thought experiment. Yeah. Like, I, I think. And it wouldn't, at least on the very, very surface level, and I'm sure you can get very into this being, you know, even more hierarchical. But it's like it, it as as you put it out, the Bible is clear that God created everything that exists, which is what exists in our world. Could you say that something that's not in our world exists? Yeah, is there something <laughs> outside of our universe, the nowhere? Yeah. So if there's if there was just another universe, who knows? Yeah. And, and, I actually and I mean, think of course, it also doesn't say that he exclusively created this universe. He could have made a bunch more. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. I I think it's it could be useful to even think about it, though, to think of a plane where there wasn't a god. How would things be in comparison to our plane where there is a god? Because we know that God did create everything. But it could be interesting to think of what it would be like if that wasn't the case or if these other gods were in control. And I think that might even inform how we worship God here. In reality, you know, where there is just God <laughs> and how we interact with one another here. Like if we would interact exactly the same in a plane where there is no God, 
as we do here where there is God, there's an issue. So I, I think that exercise of the imagination can be helpful. One of my favorite challenging multiverse kind of things like that is a supernatural series. Mm. TJ hates that series. That's bad. Yeah, but I disagree naturally. I've seen like a season of it. God, God ends up being the bad guy near the end. Spoiler alert. But there, there's this storyline where he kept trying to get the universe right. And he would create a universe and basically he didn't like the outcome or he didn't like how it happened. So he just, you know, was done with that one and moved on and created a new universe. And now he's here. And he just kept doing that. And it was just interesting to see this world where God was the bad guy because he's the God a lot of people imagine who is this, you know, I'm going to lord over you, all of these rules, you got to do this. And the reason he was a bad guy is because that's what he was trying to do, make everyone fit his pieces. And the good guys were fighting for freedom, which is a fundamental misunderstanding of who God is. Because when we read the Bible, Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom. He set us free. There's a, a comic I was reading, a webcomic I was reading. That I, I mentioned this, I think, in the last episode I was on, where it follows uh, someone who is a Grim Reaper. And the, the, the whole idea of the setting is that uh, there is, a, at least very close to the Christian God, like in the whole mm-hmm. like the structure, but it it's, it's, gets closer to kind of the... Um, I don't want to say this. It, it's almost more like how in Bayonetta, how there's all all these, these angels, there's the angels and there's the demons and there's these whole factions and everything. So there's, there, there is a God and then there is a legion of angels and they're responsible for humanity. And then there is the devil and he's responsible for hell. Hmm. And in the, in the game or in the comic rather, it slowly becomes revealed that God has vanished, that God, um, locked himself away and told the angels just to deal with humanity for now. Yeah. And it's what, what happens to the world when, when God is just gone is kind of something that gets explored yeah. throughout the series. That is interesting. Cause it's like the angels just have nothing to do. The angels just become ineffective because they don't have something, somebody to follow and it just becomes the devil taking over. Hmm. And so it, it, that makes me think of kind of, um, is it just called, I think it's just called deism, the idea that there, there was a creator deity and they just left? Yeah. No, I thought deism was more just the idea that there is a god, but that's all we can know. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, one, of those two I, things. one of the things I was thinking of is, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show, actually. Christian nationalism. You have people who kind of treat as though our nation and the constitution, all that is equal with the Bible and with God. And it's almost as though they are acting as though there's this deity structure where God particularly chose America and all of the American ways to be part of his word. And because that is what they believe is reality, they are acting completely different than other Christians who, you know, read the Bible, (laughs) for example. And even other religions, when, you know, we look at um, Islam has a similar split of people who read the blessings of sacrifice and war literally, as opposed to those who would read it as more of an internal struggle. And I think just how we understand our deity structure and how we understand the lore of the world, lore doesn't necessarily have to be fiction. I think uh, it goes back to one of my old professors used to say, orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy, which is just right belief leads to right action, which likewise would imply that 
wrong belief <laughs> leads to bad actions. And I, I think that's where exploring other lore is fun and interesting, but it's important that we get our own right. All right. Do you have anything else to add on lore, you know, whether Christian lore, magic lore, etc.? Folklore, great video game. The coolest uh, dragon in Magic the Gathering is Ugin. Ooh. How's he compared yeah. to Smaug? Cooler. Uh, he, he, yeah, he's all right. Better than Bullet? Like, he's cooler than Bullets, you think? Uh, probably. I th- <laughs> I'm, personally, I think so. I think hmm. Nickel Bullets is more interesting as, as a character just because of all of the, the scheming yeah. and nonsense he did. He's had a lot more but, time, though. Yeah, he has, which is probably why. All right, Josh, any other lore comments? So yeah, I'll I'll run back because I I never actually mentioned uh, my favorite like characters slash planeswalkers uh, in there, and so I'd I'd have to say my favorite planeswalker is probably Kaya. And I don't know what that means. Let's get too far into Kaya. Um, she's I believe she's currently the leader of the Orzov still. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's the leader of the Orzov Syndicate on Ravnica. So she's in charge of death and taxes, and nice. she's a and she's a half ghost assassin, basically. She oh, can cool. she can phase through anything. Ghost and assassin is just a combination that's too scary. I don't like that. Yeah. Actually, I never played a Kai Planeswalker, which makes absolutely zero sense. I had a, a Vito Orzov life gain deck. Yeah, so that would be pretty good for for Kaya. With, with Kaya's wrath in it, just but not, not Kaya. Kaya. I uh the the deck I was I was testing out today with a friend of mine, my new commander deck. It is a five-color Planeswalkers commander deck. Hmm. And it's just all of the cheap Planeswalkers I could find shoved in a deck with the commander <laughs> three being... Three Fairy? I'm not sure if I have Three Fairy. I'll have to look. Because it was just ones I scrounged up. I didn't go I didn't go searching online. Oh, okay. So I just... I just ones I had lying around, and I traded my friends for some. Okay. But I got the commander as uh, Sisse, the Weatherlight Captain, which one of the best five-color commanders... And until like three weeks ago, when they when uh, they spoiled some stuff from Dominaria United, basically the only one who would have worked for what I wanted. But they released so much five color support in Dominaria United. Hmm. I'm excited. Hopefully, I still never play five color. I think my brain's just not big enough. I have a small head. <laughs> the wrinkles can't get any deeper. No nah, man, one of my one of my best one of my best desks. One of my best decks is five color. It's just mana ramp, mana ramp, mana ramp. Oh, I have 15 lands. I win. <laughs> You're just playing green. Yes. It's the it's same. Just green and t- it's just green. And then you have so many, you have all the colors and you do everything. It's wonderful. Kenrith. I barely understood that conversation. Also, for those <laughs> who don't know and care to know, TJ's head looks much larger than it is. I assumed he had a large head until recently. We discovered... Large hats don't fit his head at all. It I makes very little sense head. to me. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it's just kind of square. It makes it look bigger. Well, we'll have to have uh, people comment. Maybe, maybe come to the Facebook group and comment <laughs> if anyone would be interested in us doing more focused conversations on magic lore. If we wanted to dive into one of the planes or some of the different big bads, like basically the three big bads are Nicol Bolas, the Phyrexians, and the Eldrazi. I think that's fair. I can't think of any yeah. other yeah. big yeah. overarching bads. So with that, guys, we will be wrapping this conversation up. Guys, uh, if you had to give a recommendation today for our listeners, comics, games, anime, magic, 
cards, whatever. What would you recommend, TJ? Black white. All Black right. white life steel. Do it. Yeah. It's so Wars fun. Off drain. Very good. Wars off drain. It's so fun. You feel like just absolute trash bag of a human. Uh nice. unless you're playing against blue. <laughs> and then you're correct. <laughs> Josh, recommendations. So first off, the uh, as I mentioned, the graphic novelization of Shadow of the Conqueror is on a Kickstarter. You can get either the second edition printing of the actual novel or the graphic novel or both. Uh, do that. Second of all, if we're ta- to give an actual magic one, get the five color precon commander deck from Dominaria United. It'll be great. I promise. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't got it yet. Actually, uh, get Magic the Ooh. Gathering Arenas if you want to try the game. That's a fair one. It's a, it's a free way to try the game. You'll get taught the basics, and if you want, you can keep you can keep playing a lot and get really good at standard. In theory, in theory. and you don't have to ever spend any money, and don't spend any money. Never pay them any money for arena. <laughs> My recommendation has nothing to do with magic. I, I don't know anything about magic, but recently uh, there was a sort of a series. They were all issue number one, which makes no sense. It's uh, Miss Marvel and Wolverine, Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, and then Miss Marvel and Venom. It was a fun, really quick mini series and comics. I just like Miss Marvel. It was a good time. So sounds like a fun line. Yeah, I say check it out, especially the end because all of them show up. Also, Venom is just amusing with Miss Marvel around. <laughs> I, they all are. You have all these dark, brooding characters, and you have this fun, geeky girl. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Pretty amusing. Um. Also, to QUN, the reason they all, those three are the ones targeted by the bad guys, they all have regeneration abilities, which is just a fun through line. So guys, if you want to hear more from us, or if you want to hear me more talk about comics, you can go to patreon.com forward slash systematic geekology. If you want to hear more from these guys here today without paying anything extra, you can go to systematicgeekology.org. Drop down menu has host, has TJ, has, I think it has Josh, has Joshua. That could be confusing. Click both of us. Eventually you'll figure out who's who. And remember, we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.